Well, I am so grateful to you, Andrea, for on a number of uh, accounts. One is it's just fun to see you kind of in your element. Many don't maybe know that you were a news anchor um, for a period of time, so you seem so natural up here. The other thing is, uh, they don't realize this too, is we are just blessed because um, with this whole IF gathering, which is this huge movement, um, Andrea serves on the board for um, the IF movement. So we're so grateful for how God has blessed um, so many in our church, and, and we're grateful for what's going to happen in that retreat. So women, I'm going to encourage you to sign up. I also want to encourage uh, our church family to understand that as we talk about um, reaching our community and we talk about what it means to embrace and empower the emerging generations. We talk a lot about doing it together and we've had some expressions of how we do that together this week. It was really neat to see Soul Sisters, which is um, a, a group of women in our church. There's over 20 or so that are widowed who meet together and they did kind of a Valentine's thing. Our caring ministry was a part of putting that on and what a, what a, we love you. And we pray that you experience that love um, in this time. As well as we had on Friday night, our young adult groups, Kayak, put on a, a opportunity, Kayak and kids, for young parents or parents with young kids to leave their kids. And we had a bunch of these young kids. They loved it. Um, <laughs> those are all the parents who are <laughs> do it again. They kept, you know how it is. They kept going, hey, we got to do this. This has got to happen again. Um, anyway, let's pray. Father, we pray that as we take this time, this day, to uh, just pause to let you speak to our hearts. Speak to my heart, even as I speak. Thank you for how you have through this message. Um, cause us to know at a deeper level what it means is to, to receive wisdom from you. And that as we kind of go through this series in the weeks to come, that we would get wise like you call us to do so. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You ever been in those situations where you're in a conversation and it's usually, I know like with my kids, to me as parents, as these adult kids, or, or maybe when I was a, a, an adult kid to my parents, but they would be talking along and also you go, just TMI. Too much information. Ever had that? The, you know, the lights are going off. You're going, yeah, it's too much. Well, we live in the information age. And uh, it's become such that as you just think of, we've gone through an industrial age, an information age, and what are we going to move to next? What I would love for us to move to is what I call the age of insight. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Some have said in, in quotes, we aren't in an information age. We're actually in an entertainment age. In the information age, you don't teach philosophy as they did 2,000 years ago. You perform it. If Aristotle were alive today, he'd have a talk show. <laughs> now, they said, I think uh, that the information age is great, but there's a downside to it, obviously, as well. And that is, recently, all the false information that can be perpetuated so easily, so quickly. Another said, I don't think we have less information in the world. The information age... Um, has um, yielded great advances in medicine and agriculture, transportation, and many other fields. But the problem is twofold. One, we are assaulted with more information than any one of us can handle. Right? You get that information overload. And two, beyond the overload, there's just too much information that often leads to bad decisions. 
And so I am going to encourage us as we look at Proverbs, one of the things Proverbs says, as we've titled this, is get wise. And, and last week we, we talked about what it means to get wise with regard to a relationship that is an interactive relationship with God. As we move to Proverbs 2, it basically says you can have a part in this. God does reveal wisdom and in, in insight and gives it freely, but he gives it to people who desire it. And wanted. Remember one of the principles I said just a few weeks ago was God goes where he's wanted. In the same way it is with insight and information. God goes where he's wanted. There is a difference between information and insight. Information is just a lot of input of facts and potential theories. Insight is the ability to know how to use that in such a way that it's transformational. It brings about some results, specifically in relationships. And so you need to understand, as we look at this book of Proverbs, Proverbs is quite blunt about this truth. He basically says, Solomon that there are people who don't get insight. Really bright, mentally uh, alert and gifted people. He calls, can be foolish. In fact, we're going to look at this at another point in one of the messages, but there's three words throughout Proverbs for a person who is called foolish, who is unwise. And he talks about the simpleton, he talks about the foolish, and there's words around that we can look at, and then he talks about the person who's the scoffer or scorns, and it works against any kind of wisdom. So according to Proverbs, people who fail to get insight are foolish. On the other hand, it tells us the wise get insight or they get understanding. And there's an interesting, um, uh, if you look at the two words insight and understanding in the Hebrew, it has underneath it as a root word, a parent word, so to speak, this idea of discerning, the ability to see the information And to see with your sensory data all the things out there. And yet the ability by the Spirit of God revealed through him the ability to discern and understand and to have insight into what needs to happen. And so um, just think if we if we had a, a culture of insight and we lived with insight, would it make a difference in the shootings we're seeing? If we lived not just in a culture of information, but in a culture of insight. Would it make a difference in in the mental health dilemma that that many are experiencing? And we've said it's been a lot with students, but it's happening with young parents and other adults as well. If, If we lived, as Proverbs said, with insight, would we politicize every issue that we face? I don't think so. I think there would be changes. And so what I want you to think about as we get into this message and we think about um, this idea of getting insight, I want you to, to just pause for a second and, and bring this home. Where is there an area in your life where you need insight? Think about it for a second. It could be in your marriage. It could be as a parent. It could be in your work world. It could be in a lot of different places. But I want you to think about this. Is there an area in your life where you would like insight? It could be around medical issues right now. And God tells us in his word that we're to come to him to get this insight. And how do you do it? Well, if we read Proverbs 1, and and I'm going to encourage you again and again, and it will happen throughout this 
Proverbs series. But you'll see chapter 1, verse 7 is a key verse. It talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning, the gateway into knowledge, into to understanding, into getting insight. It is the foundation, this, this relationship you have with God. And if you need, didn't hear last week, you, this is kind of that last message last week is foundational to this. The kind of wisdom, the kind of insight that God wants you to have in relationship with him is interactive. You get to know things best that you interact with. That's an incredibly important truth to digest. It's not about just in your head. It's about the things you interact with even your head, your eyes, your senses, that moves into your heart. Where you begin to start saying, God, as I see and understand these things, would you begin to move in my heart that I might see with your eyes and your heart? The things you want me to know and to see. Now, this is a great time to talk about this because we have something happening tomorrow. Anybody know what happens tomorrow? Wow, you guys are in trouble. (laughs) I heard all the women go Valentine's Day. And you guys looked like you didn't know what was going on. Hopefully, you will have a better idea of getting for your spouse something on Valentine's Day than I would. Right? Because you interact with them. In fact, my, 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 uh, my kids had my, my youngest grandson over the other day and he has like one word for everything. Duh. He's really good at pointing and going, duh. I have no idea what he's wanting. I'm just guessing. My daughter goes, oh, he wants to go down by the horses or something like that. How does she know what he wants? She lives with him. She interacts with him. She's with him on a regular basis where she begins to understand. She has insight into the very desires of his heart. What the word of God says, and we have to get this down, so I'm going to kind of preach this again and again. If you want to be wise, the foundation of it all, the gateway into it all, is your relationship with God. And it's not just coming to a service. It's not just reading the Bible and going through the motions. It's not about that. It's about a heart that humbly says, I want to know you. And I believe you're real. And I believe you will interact with me. I believe you will speak to me. I believe you'll use your word. That you will use other people who are godly. You'll even use people who are my enemies. If I'm willing to listen to sometimes, even yes, he uses his, your enemies. You know what enemies do? They usually, they usually try to hurt you, but the most effective way they hurt you is with a grain of truth, right? I remember so often, there'll be times when I'll be in my, in my morning time after something was, you know, I felt wounded by what someone had said who, I mean, truly, I, I don't believe often has my best intention. And I, I will take those times and say, God, I do not want, if there is a 1% of truth in this, I want to hear it. But I also want you to help me build the boundary around what isn't true and stay in that sense of your identity that you've put inside of me that I'm your son and you deeply love me. Okay, I'm way off my notes right now, so let me figure out where I'm at. Okay, let's get into this chapter. <laughs> I think this is good. Let's just go from here. Okay, Proverbs chapter 2. It challenges each one of us to gain insight. And as we go through this, it's going to talk about a pursuit. You need to make the 
the wisdom of God, insight into the thing you're thinking about right now, one of the things that you will pursue. And I'm guaranteeing that God will always give an answer. Sometimes God calls us to live with a mystery, which is somewhat frustrating. But he will. He promises as we pursue him, meet us where, he, where we're at. And so this idea of, of, of pursuing him is really important. So Proverbs 2 basically says, don't just get information. Don't go to God's word. Don't go here to go, oh, that was a good entertainment kind of idea. The idea you come here is to say, God, I want to meet you. And I want to hear from you. And this is in my life right now. This is important to me. I want insight. I want to understand. I want to know your heart. I want to know you around this. Remember, God goes where he's wanted and so as we look at this passage of scripture, this kind of pursuit is, is a revelation in a sense. It exposes the heart saying, I want you. This is not a work. Okay. This is not, some, oh, I'm in, now I'm going to hear these words when we read this and go, oh, this is heavy. I got to do this now. No, all God wants you to do is, is just to stop and say, if I want insight, I, God, would you, I want insight. Would you help me with that? And then as best you can to just, to follow him and his leading in this. That's a, a grace of God. So Proverbs chapter one, chapter two, verse one through verse four. Pursue insight is, is, the, is the main idea here. My son or my child, if you accept my words and start my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, and it's all couched in this language of pursuit of a hunter or a miner who's going after a treasure. I, I don't know if, if, how many here are hunters? Raise your hand. How many are fishermen? Okay, how many um, mine for gold? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I, just, I was struck. I've hunted twice in my life. And uh, I was struck with the seriousness of the guy I hunted with. We were hunting for grouse. And I could not tell at times who was more the avid hunter, who was more excited, the dog or the guy. And I'm just, I mean, it was like, I'm after it. How many um, women here are married to fishermen who on Mother's Day are alone? <laughs> right? There's just a seriousness to it. <clears throat> There's a pursuit. It grabs them. And so when it comes to this idea of insight and this relationship with God and wanting to know and understand his word and wanting to hear from God throughout your day, one of the most primary ways we hear from God is obviously his word, and that's where we need to, to spend ample time. But he also speaks to us in all different ways if we want to hear him. So as it says here, the first thing is just make it your priority. On your list of priority, when it comes to gaining insight and, and spending time in God's word and spending time listening to the Holy Spirit today, is it one of your priorities? Or is it kind of an afterthought where you get through at the end of the day and go, oh, I didn't think once. Or you maybe go to a small group and you realize, you know, halfway through the week, oh yeah, I remember maybe Sunday, but I didn't think much about, you know how that experience is? Well, I just want to challenge you to think about this. Make this a priority. It is a pursuit that requires a priority. You have to ask yourself, what drives you and why? How does this relationship with God 
become more important than maybe the need of approval that drives you or the need for success or the need to be seen as a really good parent whose kids are, you know, really have the best behavior, whatever it is. According to God's word, gaining insight is priority number one. If you look at verses one and two, specifically in these words, it says um, to first receive or accept. If, if my child, you will receive my word, speaks about an attitude towards God's word. When you think about God's word, do you see it as something is really important? Do you see it as maybe just history or something dry? And I realize for, for people who are, are getting into the word, I remember one lady who had come to faith in Christ had opportunity here in the office over here to lead her to faith. Faith in Christ, and later she I gave her a, the Message Bible to read, and she was reading it, and, and she came back to me and she said, "You know, I've been reading this." So I started to read in the beginning of the Bible, and I found that difficult. So then I went to the Book of Job, and I go, "Why would you want to go to the Book of Job, Job?" Um, but I, there was an attitude in even in her heart that said, "I want to get to know." God, because I know that God shows up through his word. I want to receive and accept that. As you go to the next part of that verse, it says, <clears throat> to store up his word. If you store up my commands within you. And the idea of storing up is the, word, is, is the idea of hiding away. So it's not only your attitude that I want to know God's word. It's the way you say, okay, as I start to process this, maybe Proverbs 1-7 is a verse that I'll memorize that it will become a part of my being. I'm going to hide it away in my heart. The word is actually found in Psalm 119 in verse 11 where it says, Your word have I treasured like a miner. I'm going after it. I want it to be in my heart. Jesus, when he was in the temptation, obviously must have treasured the word of God because at a certain point when he was being tempted, he would say what? It is written. There was this ability to take what had been um, memorized and, and, and meditated upon and be able to respond to that temptation. Because there was an attitude that said the word of God is really important. Not only is there an attitude, there was a, a heart understanding that it needed to be placed in within me if it is going to yield insight at some point. And then if you go on, it says, turn your ear, which is the idea of being attentive. It's this, it is this idea of, okay, not just God's word, but as you go through the day, is your ear open to the working and speaking of the Spirit of God? Is your eyes looking for the movement of the Holy Spirit around you? It's this kind of idea that my heart wants to, to know the word of God and respond to it. It's my heart wants to be, to hide it in my heart. Beyond that, I want to actually be looking for God throughout the day. And then he says, and I like this last part, it says, and then apply it to your heart. Because when you begin to apply things, that's when things begin to grip or, or begin to, to, to work into your life. One of the things in my own quiet time now, I'll, I'll take time and I'll just review the day and, and, and try and think of praises because I just, for some reason, Thanksgiving moves me to a place of joy and I need joy now in this season that we've all been in. And then I take time and I read God's word and then I just write a little bit about what I just read. I don't read a lot. I just read a little bit. And then I write about it. And at the end, I always try and go, okay, God, what does this mean for me today? So there's this pursuit that becomes a priority. 
which moves to another place, and that is what I would call passion. If you go on to verse 2, it says you cry out or you call out and then cry aloud. It's this idea that you're going to, you know what, when you're calling out something, you, you don't care what anyone else thinks, right? When you cry aloud, there's a sense that with passion, you're calling something out. If you see a child going towards a road and there's a busy street, you what? Cry out passionately because you want to get their attention. You don't care what anyone else thinks about. This idea of passion is, is, is from this Latin word, passio. And it means to suffer or endure. And in a sense, when he says you cry aloud or you, you call out, it speaks of this passion that's willing to suffer and endure to get the insight. Not only have an attitude towards God's word, but I also, which makes it a priority, I also have this passion around God's word. God, I, I need you right now in my life. Ever cried that out? It'd be really cool if we had the freedom for people to come in and say, God, I need you right now in my life. I know that would be really hard because that would call for a lot of vulnerability, right? But places that are on fire for God have that kind of vulnerability. It says, we are just here because we want to meet with you, God. I need insight. And I don't care what it cost me to get it, how I may need to suffer to get it. Um, whenever I think of a little, you know, I haven't suffered much in my life, but when I've gone after something I really love and desire, I think of my wife, Grace, and um, she lived up in Thief River Falls. We met each other down in Chicago, and so that's about a 14-hour drive from there. What's really funny about Thief River Falls people, in fact, when you go up there, you'll, you'll be talking to them. They're just so wonderful and nice. And they'll say, man, you know, next time you're up this way, like, you happen to go up the Thief River Falls. Uh, it's that kind of a happening kind of thing. You really have to decide to go there. My college buddies, in fact, um, they were just kind of funny. They, they went for my, for our wedding. They, they, we all went to college down in, in Illinois, and, and so they were coming from different places, like from Atlanta, Philadelphia, California, different places, and they decided to meet in Chicago, of all dumb things. But anyway, they met there, and they drove from Chicago to Thief River Falls, and I remember they were almost a little mad at me when they got to Thief River Falls, because they said, you know, we just thought everything was like an hour or two from Minneapolis. <laughs> so here I am, I, you know, I'm learning... First-hand passion. It, it, I would go visit Grace from time to time. I remember it was a 14-hour drive um, for those who are not passionate, but an 11-hour drive for very passionate people. <laughs> I would actually leave Chicago, and I couldn't wait to be with Grace. And I would, I would go to Menominee, Wisconsin, get gas, we visit McDonald's, get, get a hamburger and something to eat, go to the restroom, and I try and do it like you know, like a less than a ten minute stop. I mean, this is stupid, you know. I, I do have activator in me and all these other kind of things, but I'd get in the car and I'd go then for the next until I could get up there. The cost didn't matter because what I was pursuing was so much in my heart. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> 
Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, where was it? I'm embarrassed now. Um, what are you willing to do really know God and to to get to know his word so that you can have insight in your life and you can move. You could be countercultural where you work and in your home and in your neighborhood. Think about it. You could go against the culture and not be a part of the age of information, but be the age of insight. What are you willing to do to say, God, I want to get to know you? What really is an extra half hour of sleep? It's a lot for people who won't go to bed at night, but it's, what is it, Right? What, what is, what is it? Is it your, could it be your willingness, your unwillingness to be vulnerable and get close to people that you go, hey, I don't ever want to be in a small group. That, yeah, I don't want to get that close to people that are fanatics. Our worship here. What does it mean for us to, to give ourselves in worship and just say, God, we're coming in here and every word that is up there, I'm going to sing with my whole heart. And, and everything that is, that is that's happening here, it's not about me, it's about you. And I want to give you myself. And in doing so, I know, I know, I know you'll give yourself to me. I just, I thought of that. Suffering and endurance didn't seem like a sacrifice in the hope of finding that which your heart longs for. So what are you passionate about? The pursuit is not only a a passionate pursuit, it's one that's perseverant as well. You see, none of these things actually come easy. Very seldom does God just go around. I mean, it's not like you go to the grocery store and say, yeah, I'd like about a... Um, oh, maybe two dozen insights, please. Yeah, I, something at work. Uh, yeah, isn't it, are, we kind of think of it that way? We get this idea that somehow the character that's needed to be developed within us, which God is doing, and it's often through the development of what He's doing in your heart, in your life right now, that provides the next open door of insight in your life. We just think, it's really interesting. James says, this begins in James 1, it says, if you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will freely, without making you feel humiliated in asking, he will freely give you his wisdom. He says that in chapter 1, then he gets to chapter 5 and he says, but be patient, persevere, think of the farmer. No farmer takes a seed puts it in the ground, and the next day expects a tomato plant, right? But a lot of people run from one teaching to another church to another place, hoping that you can get this tomato plant of insight. It takes a heart that puts it as a priority, that is passionate about wanting to know this, and then will persevere. And we'll just stay with it. I, I, I can share that. Um, I was, you know, thinking of doing all these, but grace, even in our marriage, where we have grown in, in our closeness and, and understanding, and we have problems and we work, but we're, we, we don't have these meaningless kind of conflicts anymore. We're, we're beginning to understand to grow, but it's taken years of persevering and saying, I want insight to know how to have a really deep relationship, not just with my spouse, but with my kids and with other people. 
Are you willing to not just be passionate for a day, but to persevere over a lifetime to receive insight? Proverbs 2 is all about this, this going after it with, with, with the things in your heart and your life. It's all about this pursuit. What I find interesting is if you, if you look at this, verse 4 begins with, and I don't know if you notice it, but it begins with if. And then there's this phrase that comes. If you make insight a priority, then you passionately pursue perseverance. You will then, with perseverance, gain insight. And so the pursuit ends up in verses 5 through 8 with three basic blessings. You get to enjoy the reward of a God who gives you insight, it says, who will, with your pursuit, lead you to a place of protection and then will move you to a place where you will find victory and you'll begin to overcome and you'll begin to grow. I just want to leave you with this illustration that um, I, I just am always impressed with... People who um, pursue as if it's the only thing that matters in life. Years ago, I read about um, John James Autobahn and his relentless search for bird facts. Anybody a birder here? I'm kind of getting to be one, but not like him. He was a great artist, a naturalist, an ornithologist who, back in the early 1800s, gave his life to creating a complete pictorial record of all the bird species in North America. That's an ambitious task. He developed this color-plated book called The Birds of America. One author describes his passionate pursuit this way. Listen to this. He was willing to undergo prolonged um, in his discomfort to learn more of the world of birds. He counted his physical discomfort as nothing compared to the success of his work. He would rise at midnight, night after night, go out into the swamps to study the habits of certain night hawks. He would crouch motionless for hours in the dark and fog, feeling himself well rewarded after weeks of waiting. And if he just secured one additional fact about a single bird. During one summer... He went day after day to the bayous near the New Orleans to observe a shy waterfowl. And he would stand almost to his neck in nearly stagnant water, scarcely breathing, while countless poisonous moccasin snakes swam past his face. And while great alligators passed and reposed and repassed his silent watch. It was not pleasant, he said as his face glowed with enthusiasm. But what of that? I have the picture of the bird. And I just, when I read that, I remember writing, incredible. He would do that for a picture of a bird. So now whenever I hear the name Audubon and his eager pursuit of just one additional wildlife fact, I simply ask this, and I ask you to ask these questions. How eager do I pursue God? To what degree of determination do I seek God and his wisdom? 
How much personal sacrifice will I make to grow more deeply in love with God, his word, his ways, his wisdom? And what discomfort will I endure to know more fully his presence in my life? Jesus said it simply. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.